Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Canadian Premier League Newsroom Podcast. I am Charlie O'Connor Clark, alongside Christian Jack and Jeff Nesco. You just saw our producer behind the scenes. If you're watching the live stream, this is <laughs> live audio streams. Uh, from coast to coast, I'm in Victoria, BC. Charlie is in Toronto, and we are here to recap what was a fantastic opening weekend in the Canadian Premier League here on April 11th, 2022. Charlie, what a yep. special weekend. We'll get through the results in a second. We're going to play you one of the best goals you're ever going to see, by the way. But before we oh, yeah. get it, and that goal uh how did you enjoy this a great start it was great it was a lot of fun to finally see some of these players that we've been hearing about all offseason hit the pitch we saw some very new look teams and some very unchanged and similar teams to what they were last year and it was just awesome as as i think we said in the preview show it was great to finally see balls actually kicked and, and goals scored and some of them in in outstanding fashion as well no doubt about it. Those of you that are new to this show, you may well be watching us live. We are also on audio, so you can listen to it later as well. We do that consistently throughout the season. Uh, but if you are watching live today, you, we encourage you to put in your comments and we will get to some of your questions as well. Uh, and a special guest for, for you guys later as well as we get some correspondence across the board here across the country as we recap the weekend that was in the Canadian Premier League. Also, if you're watching live, you're also going to see some clips and some highlights as well from the weekend. The results from the opening weekend are as follows. York United nil, Halifax Wanderers 1. The Jao Morelli penalty was the difference in that one. Atletico Ottawa 1, Cavalry nil. Brian Wright penalty late in that one, the decider. FC Edmonton 1, Vala FC 1. Tobias Wachewski's absolute streamer. What an absolute magnificent individual goal this is, and we'll get to that in a second. Was enough in the 95th minute to earn the Eddies a valuable point against Vala at home. And then in the come on match of the week, Pacific FC defeated Forge in a rematch of the 2021 final. Alejandro Diaz and Amir Didic for the home team. Alex Ashinoni Jansen late ahead from a set piece later on in the game from 2 1 for Forge in that one. Uh, we have to start though, before we get in Alex from Pacific to talk about it. Just a little brief chat. We will get to Edmonton later. But Charlie, you were on Edmonton watch. I'm sure your match report was done. Edmonton yep. nil, Valor FC won, seconds away from being published. And then this happened. That's right. Tobias yeah. Wachewski with an unbelievable bicycle kick. The ball comes into the box. And then that, he delivers a goal in that fashion. Wow, Charlie. You know what I thought when I saw this? I thought of Alan Koch. I thought of yeah. all the winter, all the pain, all the issues that he had to go through, reshaping the squad, all of those dark, lonely nights when he was thinking about who am I going to play in my team. That was a moment for him, was it not? What a special day. It was. It was. Uh, and I think he even said after the game that he, if you'd interviewed him right up full time, he would have been a bit of a, a bit of a mess. He was very emotional after a moment like that that you know, is is just such a such a good thing to see for this Edmonton club that really needed a moment like that. The the fans that were there needed that moment. The players who've committed to that project needed it. And yeah, we're we're not likely to see many better goals than that in the CPL. Just also, I, I also want to shout out the, the cross as well from Timoteo. It's a great ball in, but we will get more into the Edmonton game. Uh, but definitely, we have to start the show with that because just what a phenomenal, phenomenal way for that game to end and for them to take a point in that home opener, which was well deserved. It was well-deserved. As I said, we'll get into it. But the, Timothy's cross, I think he was also the guy, the, the player who kept the ball in, right? Because it was yeah. like, the, for those who didn't see it, it was almost with full-time whistle. The ball was about to go out, right? And then it came yeah. in. It was just a, a fantastic moment uh, as well. So we'll get to FC Edmonton 1 and Valor 1 later. And congratulations to all the Eddies fans out there who went to the game, braved the elements, and boy, were they winning. Was it winning? Oh, my God, yeah. <laughs> it was windy. It was cold. <laughs> Uh, but in the end, you get a point and a valuable one 
at that. As a reminder, put in your questions here. We'll answer some of those later during the show. Uh, but we have to start with Pacific 2 Forge 1. That's right, the rematch of the final. We're going to get Alex in shortly as well, who was there for us as our correspondent. I was there as well. We are still out here, out west here. And Charlie, what did you think of this game? I'm going to give my thoughts in a minute. But overall, my overall thoughts was a very impressive game considering we, game one after a long off season and you know a very short preseason in terms of competitive minutes. Quality on the pitch from both teams was excellent. Absolutely. And sometimes when you get these games that you kind of know from the start or, or you're, you're thinking that's going to be the game of the week. Sometimes they're a little bit disappointing, right? Sometimes they don't have the the moments and, and the intensity that you're kind of hoping for, but this game delivered, this game delivered much like the, much like the city of Liverpool game on the weekend where it's this <laughs> massive, this biggest game of the weekend. And it is also the best game of the weekend. These teams have so much quality Pacific, you know, questions asked over, over the over the off season about what they would look like under James Merriman with Pamaduka going out, you know, with with so many players moving on, Taryn Campbell and Hajabrapur coming back to play against them with Forge, and then obviously Caden Chung and Lucas McNaughton moving to TFC. But honestly, this team did not look like they just lost four massive players and a head coach. They looked mm. like they had the exact same identity as they had last season when they won the championship. Just that kind of intensity to to press and to get after the ball, and then to just play that kind of attacking football that they wanted. They didn't have a lot of the ball, which isn't necessarily a massive surprise for Pacific playing against Forge. We saw how they beat Forge in the final last year in a similar fashion. Uh, but they've got that quality and that ability to really punish you and punish any mistake. And just the, the finishing ability on this team, the set-piece ability, it's a very well-rounded team, and it's certainly a well-deserved opening day victory at home for them. Yeah, a really opening, a really great victory for them. And, you know, what what I'll say is, is that, you know, I thought the continuity was there, right? It was really key. You know, you mentioned it. They didn't look like a team that had gone through such a transitional time, you know? No. And they lost Palmer Ducar as well as those players we mentioned as well. Yeah. But I think the importance was, was, and credit the, the entire organization, is, okay, how do we replace like with like? Right? How do we? Well, okay. Palmer Ducar's left. Well, James Merriman knows this organization better than anybody. He's ready to coach in this league. That's going to be seamless, right? Now, obviously, there's going to be issues down the down the not issues, but different moments in the year where they're going to go. Paul's going to do something differently than James, right? But at the same time, tactically on the pitch, the identity was exactly the same. You couldn't see anything really different, very different. Same shape, played the same way. Um, yeah. You know. They didn't have the ball as much, and James admitted after the game they would like to have keep, kept the ball. In fact, I was watching near them in the first half, and I was quite near James's um, dugout area, and he was talking to Jamar Dixon at the moment, managing the game. He said, we have to keep the ball. We're handing the ball out too much. So I, did, I know that that wasn't by design. Um, but overall, when you think about, you know, Mavila came in for Chung, and Didich came in for McNaughton, and, and, and Valdisno started one game last year. Uh, and I thought he was tremendous in the game. And yes, okay, Hajabapur and Campbell are big losses. But if you add them to that squad yesterday, Charlie, I said this in the One Cycle Post Game Show, they may not have started the match. Like, that's true. how deep. That's how deep this team is, right? Yeah, it's true because that that front three of of Josh Hurd, Alejandro Diaz, and Marco Bustos, I don't think you would sit any of them for Taryn Campbell at the moment. Uh, and right. and in midfield, you know, you still had. Part of the reason that Hajabrapur played such hard minutes last year was because Baldissimo was injured. 
for so yeah. long, right? He probably would have been the first option if he'd been healthy from training camp because he had been before at the Island games and the year before. And I think a lot of people forgot how important he was to that team as the kind of box to box midfielder and the guy that can run the show in that sense. But yeah, a lot of the same things that we saw last year that made them successful were still there. Manny Aparicio running the show in midfield as that kind of creative presence. Josh Hurd bringing that directness on the dribble, just that ability to run at fullbacks, run at defenders and get in behind. And obviously Marco Bustos, again, we've said it before, but one of the most talented players in the league, he's got just an unbelievable ability on the dribble. So really the, the, the Pacific that we saw is, is in many ways unchanged. And we have to obviously talk about Amir Didich as well, who we already, we already knew that he's been one of the best defenders in the CPL for the last three years. And he comes into this Pacific side and he's, dominant i don't think there's a defender in league that can really test him in the air he'll beat anybody and he's got that ability to to whip a diagonal ball out he's a little bit different in profile to lucas mcnaughton maybe we'll try to ping those balls more often than he'll run into midfield with it and try to carry it himself but they're both unbelievably talented defenders especially one-on-one and in the air again nobody matches him so yeah pacific has really done a very good job of, of managing to keep that continuity and remain in many ways the same kind of team despite losing so many important pieces yeah I agree did it just spoke to him after the game and he was just beaming you could see that he was really thrilled that they'd accepted him in and he can play a big part in it three set piece goals last season and a great one and I think as you alluded to the aerial threat that he's got with the with the delivery from Bustos that's mm. going to be a big threat that you don't want to be giving away too many key free kicks in key areas um also a special day for the Merriman family they were all there I met many of them yesterday uh, James Merriman, an island boy out here, and obviously got a chance to deliver a, a three points on his opening debut for his, as head coach of Pacific. Uh, here were some of his thoughts after the game. Yeah, I'm happy. I'm happy for all four of them. Actually, you know, Kunle stepping into to a bigger role this season, something that we spoke about in the off season, and he grabbed it today. Um, having TMG back, you know, he missed a lot of the season last year, and uh, so he's excited. He, you see what he brings to our team, to our group with his leadership on the field. Amir has been a great addition and Mavia as well. So yeah, it's a new back four, but uh, I thought they, they played very well as a four and as a unit today. So it's great to see. Thank you, Coach. Yeah, obviously talking about the additions of those players that came in. <clears throat> uh yeah so that was interesting a good a really good one from james merriman and a great and a great start from him we'll get alex in in a second once he's ready to come in and chat more a little bit about it and we'll get into forge but you know the goal right away with diaz was fantastic to start for him as well charlie because he hadn't got to play in a final right he didn't get to play in that Mm -hmm. game he didn't get to i suppose have a go at forge like he wanted to and that was burning at him all winter not playing in that final and for them to start the way they did and have him finish it is a perfect beginning for him yeah it was a good moment for him i think because as you mentioned he's not available for the final and just for them to have this moment to come back to the club this year to get off to such a hot start is kind of important to show that he he is you know committed to this project and an important part of it going forward so for him to have that moment he is a very very talented player a clinical clinical finisher in the box as well and i think he's going to have a massive year for pacific out there especially with two there's so many talented creative players and he's he's really able to be that kind of target man in the box he's got unbelievable feet he can he can have the ball played into him pretty much anywhere and he can sort it out and fire on goal so it was definitely a good moment for him and it's a good moment for the club to be kind of rewarded for continuing to show faith in him and for, for keeping him around and starting him that day. 
Yeah, I agree. You know, it, it, you know, for, for me, he's a massive difference maker for them because now if he can play as many minutes as he can, you know, as, uh, now with the, sc- the schedule being as, as different as, as it is, mm-hmm. boy, oh boy. I mean, already I think he's one of the best, best number nines in the league. He's also a different profile, Charlie, right? He's got his back to goal, holds the ball up really well, very good at putting the ball with one touch finishing as well. Um, so I, I, I think he's, wow, I think he could be a, a, a big part of them. Now, obviously, they don't have Terran Campbell anymore, and Terran Campbell was on Forge's side. Forge had a lot of the ball in this game. You know, yeah. Bobby Smiliotis didn't seem too downhearted after the game, Charlie. I can understand that. And again, I think I think it was, you know, Alex Ashnodianson who said that they were pretty much comfortable with everything that they did, apart from in the final third. They had setbacks too, by the way. No no Tristan Borges, no Emery Welshman, Welshman, no Tristan Henry. Ashton Morgan does his hamstring in the first 20 minutes of the game and has to leave. So, yeah. you know, they're dealing with a lot of things at the moment, but overall they controlled a lot of the ball. And I think they'll they'll go home pretty co- pretty not confident, but happy at that moment that they that they controlled a lot of that game, Charlie. Yeah, yeah. And and I think Bobby Smirniotis is always a guy that doesn't get too down on a loss or too high on a win. Um, so again, it's the first game of the season and they do as just as Pacific do, they had some changes in the squad, a few new players coming into this lineup and they're, they're still, you know, some, some clear, clear spots where they're not fully in sync yet. You know, Alexander Hajabrapour, I think played quite well, but still maybe not completely, you know, in, in, as in tune with the, the tactical setup that the team that's been around for so long would yeah. have naturally. Right. But I think as he continues to get those minutes and just kind of be thrown right into it, he will learn quick because he's obviously a very smart player. And then up front, you know, Bobby has spoken about it plenty of times. He wants him to score those easy goals more. He wants him to to have those those one touch finishes, those those more of those moments in the box. They had 23 touches in the Pacific box in this game. You know, 12 shots, but only two of them on target. I think there's that is still something that they're hoping will come. Uh, Campbell is probably going to need to be a big part of that because he is one of the more clinical finishers that the CPL has had in the past few years. So again, I think this Forge team is sort of working its way up. They're not, not in any trouble. I think they played again, a very good game against a very good team on the road, which is never an easy thing to do in the first game of the season. So yeah, I, I think there's really nothing for them to be worried about. Uh, Obviously the, the injuries are a concern. You hope that Ashton Morgan isn't, isn't out for too long. Uh, because this this team does have quite a few injuries in defense at the moment, yeah, and and the fullbacks are an important part of the way that they've liked to play previously. So you hope that that's not too serious. But I, I mean, other than that, the way with the way that they played, I don't think that there's a lot to be upset about. Let's bring in Alex Gange Ruzik, who was there for us at the campl.ca. Um, Alex, I know you're a much traveled man, so let's try and get your connection. You're obviously staying on, on the island like I am, so we'll figure out your Wi Fi as we fly through, or let's hopefully you can hear us fine. Uh, we certainly see you as good as well. Um, so, yeah, it's uh, great to see you, my man. I saw you at the game yesterday. Great piece as well on this. And overall, what I read from your piece was that you were very important. You thought it was really important to see the standard of the quality overall in this game it was a really important one in terms of noticing already from day one that these two are playing at such a high level for the Canadian Premier League. Yeah, I think that that's huge heading into to such a big game between two teams who obviously reached kind of the, the top of the proverbial last year. Heading into this game, you're kind of wondering, is it going to be intense? Oftentimes in the first game of the season, teams might be a little more timid. It might be a, a feeling out process. 
And it does help that Forge was playing intense champion games at the Azteca, uh, you know, against Cruz Azul just months ago. But for Pacific, this was kind of their first competitive test. They had some scheduled some good friendlies uh, here on the island. So they've been obviously having their camp. So I was impressed, uh, you know, watching some of the other games this, this weekend. I'm not to say as standard, but you could kind of see it was an easing in process. It was okay, let's get a feel for this. No, these two teams, right from the, the first whistle, you kind of saw it with how Pacific came out and scored right away and then how Forge responded in trying to keep possession and trying to create a, a chance. So, yeah, I was most impressed about that that intensity from day one, and I think that kind of shows why they're they're two of the favorites to, to win this year. Alex, you we kind of touched on it a little bit a few minutes ago, but I want to get your thoughts on it because you highlighted this in your match analysis as well. Pacific coming into this first game of the season with Two new faces in their back four, right? Plus Thomas mayer Jaguer, who didn't play a whole lot last year because of injury. And obviously Kunle Dadaluk steps right into the right back role. What I know that you were impressed with the way that you saw this team defend, but what specifically was was standing out to you? I mean, firstly, it really kind of started with the the center back pair of Amir Didich and, and Thomas mayer Jaguer. I thought they were just super solid. Um, it looked like they'd been playing together all of last year, even though obviously they, they, they weren't with, with Mayor Jaguar on the sidelines and Didich over in Edmonton. I've, I've followed Didich for, for a while, you know, back from the Edmonton days when he was close signing with the Whitecaps. He's always had the, the talent, maybe stuck on, a bit on an Edmonton team where he, he didn't make the most of his skills. I think yesterday we saw that his, you, you look at the size, you see the aerial presence, you see him winning headers, but for me, what I liked a lot about his game was in possession. There's one moment, I think, where he got the ball, he stepped out of the back, and then he just dinked the ball right over the top for Alejandro Diaz, who almost scored, and it would have made the game 2-0, I think it was, uh, at the time. And that was kind of what was key for, for me with those two, is that every time they'd uh, defend, they, they had such a solid line, they'd make the right intervention, they'd make the right tackle. I think other than that yellow card that Mayor picked up, they hardly set a foot wrong before that late goal. And then it was nice as well that they were playing out of the back too. It wasn't just a defend, defend, defend. It was also, let's take some pressure off. Let's pass the ball around a bit. And then on, on, on the flanks, couldn't lay down a Luke who I thought last year was super underrated for Pacific. And, and it was part of the reason that they weren't maybe so, you know, disappointed that, that someone like Caden Chung was leaving. And then someone like Nathan Mavila on the left side is a, is a huge depth ad based on just every time that Pacific would get the ball on that left side, which for them in the first half was a huge asset you'd see Mavila fly up the pitch, even if he wasn't going to get the ball, just because he knew he's okay. I'm going to provide some width. I'm going to give our, 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 you know, our other attackers some, some space. And I thought because of that, that back four works so well for Pacific, not just defensively where they were very, very solid, but it also helped them a lot on the attack, which kind of reflected in both of their goals. Yeah. Great analysis. I thought exactly the same, you know, and you know, about Baldissimo, I thought was tremendous. I said earlier, that ball, that diag, he stepped up at one point and sent like a 40-yard diag to Bustos that led to the free kick. Uh, I was talking to some of the Pacific players after the match and they confided in me. They said, we were working on that in training for weeks and we could not get it right. They could not get it right perfectly and they were getting frustrated, making sure Bustos was at the right place where he needed to be working on the diag and just switching it. Bang, right away they do it in the game. And sometimes you can work on it in training all you like. It doesn't come off and then it comes off in training. And of course, the Diag led to the free kick that led to the two, two goal, two no goal. And ultimately that was the difference. Um, we're going to talk more with Alex in a second on Forge. Before we do that, here are some of the thoughts of their head coach after the match and Bobby Smith. Yeah, you know, take away the result that obviously you're never happy uh, to lose, but I think uh, there's a lot of positives. I think we were good for the majority of the match. A couple of lapses. You know, uh, games uh, come down to details. 
as you see today's game has two set pieces uh, on either side and uh, you know those are the details of, of today and early on in the season I thought it was great we've had some excellent performances we have a, a goalkeeper who's playing his first uh, his debut um you know, gets scored on the first five minutes and then comes up big after. I think you, you know you got to look at those things. Koisi Poku has to come into the game early on for for Ashton. Uh, very good, but I thought we we're uh, we we're very good, and somehow we're keeping up our tradition of not winning on day one of uh, the CPL. There you go. Traditions are that Forge don't really care too much about the first game, I suppose. Um, <laughs> A little bit about Forge, though, Alex, in this, because you wrote pretty, you know, you wrote a little bit about them in the observations after the game as well. You said, despite finding themselves in a hostile away environment, Forge did something you don't often see against Pacific and control large patches of the game. You go on to note, obviously, close to 65% possession. Uh, overall, your thoughts on them and how they controlled it, despite having a number of players out and setbacks. I think it kind of shows really their their core players, uh, especially out at the back. I mean, obviously they were missing someone like uh, Daniel Kretzen, who was also a, a big part of what they do in, in yeah. possession. But, you know, in the Champions League games, I was really impressed by Garvin Matutsula, uh, you know, that Dominic Samuel pairing. Uh, you kind of go for at fullback, uh, you know, Abubo Kakarsuzoko, not a traditional right back. And maybe that showed a bit defensively with that, that Josh Hurd matchup. But what he brings is in possession. He's always been a very solid midfielder. Uh, you know, on the left side, Ashton Morgan, then Kwasi Poku when he came in the midfield of, you know, Alexander Ashinyoti, uh, Janssen, and, you know, Forge, the way they're built with, and then of, of course, don't want to forget Kyle Becker. They, they can hold the ball excellently. There's just so many times where I'd see Kyle Becker drop, turn his shoulder, get the ball, play it quick, and it would just kind of uh, allow them to evade that first wave of Pacific pressure. I mean, at first, Pacific did catch him a few times, but once Forge got settled in, uh, you know, Kyle Becker, the, the the pockets he was finding, and then his ability to play with both feet is, is key. So for Forge, I think from out of the back, they were excellent. Maybe wonder where they could have done better, and maybe they missed someone, uh, you know, like a Tristan Borges is in the final third. They just they get the ball to the final third and it, you know, it would be a missed pass here, a missed run. Uh, the, the cross would just be a bit off. And I think maybe that's just the first game. I think the fact that they had 65% possession, but only two shots on target to show for it. Not many expected goals, not many, you know, grade a high level chances shows that, okay, maybe now it's just, okay, you keep the ball, you hold the ball. Well, you move it around. You got to do the same in the final third. You got to get that final pass, that one touch pass that that quick shot and that's just the one area where that where maybe pacific had the, the leg up where you look at pacific's first goal as a prime example they got the ball made a great cutback one touch it's in the net forge just didn't have any of that and it kind of made uh, you know pacific's life easier in the sense that for amir didich and toma like i highlighted they were making a lot of big defensive plays yes but also forge made maybe made it easy for them with the taking an extra touch and then not getting the shot off right away or, or, or making that one touch pass. And I think that's something that Forge is really going to want to work on and, and, and try to, to change as they head in this, you know, next game. Yeah. The, the final third is kind of the interesting part for Forge. Alex, you put kind of the shot map in your, your analysis here. And I'm seeing a lot of Kyle Becker shots from outside the box, which, you know, we know he can score sometimes, but that's probably not your ideal attacking strategy. A lot of Alessandro Hajabrapur in the box. I feel like it needs to be that little bit more efficient of getting the ball more consistently to those attacking players, right? Taryn Campbell kind of drifted a little bit wide at a lot of, a lot of occasions, but it feels like that is kind of where, where the next, the next evolution of this team needs to come. Right. I just that in, in that final third and those, you know, that front three. 
Yeah, I mean, I just think you, you can't be robotic. That, that, that was one issue that, that Forge maybe had is you get a bit robotic in the final third. I mean, maybe that's just the chemistry. You're missing some of your main guys up front. Taron Campbell is still getting used to, to the system. One thing I'd always see last year with him with Pacific is he kind of had these patterns where a, a play would just trigger and he'd run back post and he'd get on the end of the header or something like that. And that's kind of what you get with playing him, uh, you know, kind of double number nines up top with Wubens Passius and you, you kind of got Campbell in the inside channel. He didn't have those kinds of opportunities in this game. So I think for mm-hmm. Forge, maybe it's just the chemistry. They want to be less robotic and have these kind of triggers where it's okay. You get a ball here, you know, where it's going, you know, it's getting wide. It's the, the one touch passing. So I think hundred percent they'll, they'll want to work on that sharpness in the final third. And I'm sure it's something that Bobby highlighted after the game, noting that, you know, he kind of wants to, to, to see that sharpness, see his team get better shot selection and, and, and kind of, work 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 their way to open up uh, you know better shots and i think that's something that's going to come we've seen it from them it's really more of a a first game feeling out maybe some new guys and and working from there great stuff alex appreciate the work uh on on campiel.ca again uh great to have you on board and welcome to the team uh enjoy the women's game tonight and we'll uh, chat soon thanks again Awesome. Thanks. And hopefully uh, my wife will be a little better next time, but appreciate it. All good, my man. It was fine. Hey, it's live. It's all good. No, no problem at all. Thanks for joining us. Uh, that wraps up our time in Pacific as Pacific move forward and, uh, you know, overall a good win for them. And next week they get to play at home again uh, as they take on Valor uh, next weekend as well. Uh, we go back to the first game now. York United 1-0. Halifax Wanderers 1 was the opening game of the season on Thursday. Uh, Charlie, you were there. I was there. So was Benedict Rhodes. Let's bring Benedict in the show as he continues to talk with us about some of these games as well. Welcome, Benedict. Uh, nice to see your uh, York jersey behind there. Is that that special poppy jersey that you won? It is indeed. <laughs> nice. Good for you. Good to see that. Uh, love that. Uh, talking of jerseys, by the way, this is my little transition moment. We have to talk about Charlie's jersey and his backdrop. We really do. Because uh, forgot got- to mention it. The new Pacific jersey. I did not forget. I just wanted to get to a jersey moment. Look at this. Look at this jersey. Look at this. This was a very, this was, this went viral yesterday. No doubt about it. A very special shirt, very special meaning with the indigenous as well community. Uh, a brilliant opening ceremony at the game yesterday. Uh, just looking, just see the shots there. Just spectacular. And many people all around the world talking about this fabulous shirt right now. Charlie's got one in the backdrop as well. You can order them, pre order them now. Um, sold out already, I think, the ones that did. Uh, thankfully, Charlie's got his. I got mine. I'm lucky. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, I was in the stadium, so we're able to get one. <laughs> but, yeah, other than that, uh, they are available. Go out there and get them. Uh, Benedict, you're a, you're a little bit of a kit nerd. I'm going to say that in a good way. What did you think of them? <laughs> yeah, it's just, just the perfect jersey, isn't it? Like, the, the meaning behind it. Uh, the design itself is, is fantastic. Like, you know, sometimes the sponsor can detract from a jersey, but I think the way it was used in this one, it was it kind of blended in nicely, and and like I said the, the the meaning behind it, the fact that twenty dollars, I believe, from each jersey is going to, to a charity the artist choosing, and someone from that community as well. I think it's just from top to bottom, it's just it was just perfectly done by Pacific. Beautiful, yeah. Lots and, of comments coming in on the show as well. People absolutely loving it as well. You know, you know, our friend Finn just loving it. Wanted to talk more about the Pacific kit as well. Uh, so yeah, lots of people in the comments. And we about. would be we would be remiss if we didn't shout out specifically uh, the Coast Salish artist uh, Maynard Johnny Jr. with the uh, the design there, which is just phenomenal. And I'm uh, just yeah. so impressed by this kit. Yeah, me too. Uh, it was great. Yeah, Marco says Pacific jersey, awesome. I'd love for you to come up with an indigenous jersey or maybe all CPL teams have a design. Well, hey, this is just the beginning. So it's fantastic to see more people talking about it. And uh, 
uh, yeah, being in the stadium yesterday, it was a real buzz. Uh, by the way, a real family atmosphere. A fantastic, you know, lots of kids there, lots of people enjoying the match. It was a tremendous, uh, just a tremendous event put on by Pacific. Uh, let's move on to Thursday's game. York United nil uh, in the end. Halifax Wanderers won. A Jao Morelli, Morelli second half penalty was in the end the difference. We were all there in the stadium for this one as well. A strange game, a game where probably at the beginning you'd think that York uh, coming in thought they had the best of chances. A slow start from both the teams. Martin Nash admitted that to me after the game as well, Charlie. But in the end, it was Morelli's penalty uh, that made a difference in this one and probably the kind of game that only was going to have one goal in it, although Lowell Wright had a glorious chance. I know he was thinking about at the end of the, uh, of the game as well. But a close game, a typical opening game of the season, I suppose, but one that Halifax Wanderers head home absolutely delighted with because they had some real bright spots as well in terms of some individual players standing out and, and performing well. Yeah, they did. They did. I, I think it's tough to to get a read on this game because Halifax started very well. The first half, I think, was very good, but then York sort of grew into it and had far more chances in the second half of that game. Um, they made a, a couple substitutions, especially when Diadine Abzi came on for the last yeah. half hour. He created a lot of those chances. But uh, yeah, Stephen Hart kind of explained that York was York was sending in this aerial bombardment of all of these balls over the top, all, like so many crosses, especially in that second half. Uh, and Halifax defended them quite well. I thought, uh, you know, Matteo Restrepo and was, was quite good at the back. Uh, but that was, that was really what they had to do. They had to hold firm, but the first half was some of the best play that, that we've seen from Halifax and in, in a, a little bit, certainly than some of those games last year, they looked faster than I think they ever did last season, with especially with Aiden Daniels in midfield being able to just move the ball on a little bit, a little bit quicker. He's going to be a massive player. But the most impressive thing to me, actually, the second most impressive thing to me about Halifax's game in that first half was the right side. Right, Zachary yeah. Fernandez uh, making a debut at right back. Corey Bent above him at the wing role. They were they were pretty much dominating that side in that first half. You know York. Had a couple injuries on the left. Abzi wasn't fit to play 90 minutes. Max Ferrari wasn't fit to make the squad at all. So that's that would typically be York's left side, but they weren't able to have it. They had Michael Petrasso on that side and, and Eduardo Jesus, who didn't really have the pace of of Fernandez or Bent. So I think even Stephen Hart identified it as a bit of you know a matchup that they were they felt that they could get something out of, and they did. They certainly got into the, the half space and they got behind the, the York fullbacks quite a bit, but there weren't maybe the runs into the box that they needed, uh, especially not from the other side. And there wasn't that, you know, that presence in the final third for that final ball. And part of the reason there is maybe the other thing that impressed me about Halifax, which was Joao Morelli's role yes. playing as, as a false nine, but ostensibly like he was, he didn't really have a position. He was all over the place. He dropped way, way deep, even in front of the center backs to make himself an option at sometimes, but then other times out of possession, he would be pressing the York center backs. So he was like a box to box number nine, which is just absurd. The amount that he had to run in that game. And he even laughed about it after the game. He said, yeah, that was a lot of effort for the first game of the season to, to go through that game and to play that kind of role. And obviously he's a very talented player. He wants to create, but if you're going to do that, you need those wingers to make those runs in behind. Otherwise, there's a bit of a gap up there. And I think that was something that we saw with Halifax from open play in this game because they needed that that penalty set piece to score the goal. So that's, again, something that's going to be something that they'll want to work on in the next few weeks. 
Benedict, I'll get your thoughts in a second. But before we do that, let's hear from Jean Morelli, the game winner on Thursday night. It's very hard like this. Um, I know the game sometimes not enjoyable to watch, especially in under the rain and, and the game is very intense, long balls and everything. But um, at the end, we did our job, the job done. Uh, been playing away game, getting three points is very important. Give us confidence and. I think if we get results two games and we play our home opener, then from there we be in a very good position already. It was an excellent. It was an excellent form, no doubt about it. We, you, Benedict, your overall thoughts of Halifax and Morelli and, and just getting enough done to get the win? Yeah, like you said, they were everywhere. I think um, Halifax at the time they showed a little bit more urgency than York did. I think once once Halifax scored, York picked up the pace and they started to have a lot more chances, but. Uh, for large parts of the game, it was Corey Benton, it was Aiden Daniels running, running the show for a lot of the first half, especially. Uh, like Benton in particular was was fantastic in the opening half, and he was everywhere. Um, yeah, I, I do agree with, uh, with with Charlie that Morelli was was the best player on the pitch. I think he was, he was everywhere. He was sometimes he was dropping far as close as his own corner flag, like to come come and stop plays, dropping back. And uh, yeah, I think I think uh, it was maybe a game where the first team to make a mistake was going to lose. And, uh, and then that's ultimately what happened. Yeah, you could, by the way, the penalty went against York. Uh, they could easily have had their own. Uh, a couple yeah. of decisions, very, very, very you know, close uh, that York could have had. And every credit to Martin Nash, I'm going to get to him in a second in terms of when I asked him after the game, wasn't really getting into that. He said it's a very difficult job for the referee and obviously it didn't go their way. Um, talking of gaffers, um, Nash and Stephen Hart had a great hug before the game. Uh, obviously played under Stephen Hart as well. Here are Stephen Hart's thoughts after the game. Uh, after Morelli won in the match. Yeah, um, you know, he missed a lot of games last year. Uh, a lot of people don't talk about that. And, and, and I think, you know, some of, the, some of the things that were said about the goals only coming against one team and blah, 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 has, has, has spurned him on. He's, uh, he has that intrinsic motivation to, to be at his best and, uh, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm grateful for it. And, and his teammates supported him very, very well. Brilliant clip from Hardy there. No doubt about <laughs> it. Whatever it takes, Charlie, no? Whatever it takes yeah. to get motivated. The player of the year, golden boot winner, only played 58% last season. The team was seven, seven goals scored, 15 goals against when he wasn't on the pitch. There were 21 goals scored, 19 against when he was. They know that, by the way, they need, they're probably going to need another striker eventually, or they certainly need a fit, you know, a team yeah. Garcia back. But whatever it takes to fire Morelli up, that's what they're doing. And it's clearly that, you know, some people have said, only scored against Ottawa, whatever. There you go. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's exactly it. That's exactly it. And again, yeah, whatever you need to motivate yourself. I think that Joe Morelli is a very motivated player. Uh, he still wants to be the guy on this team, but he has spoken about wanting to be more of the creative force on this team, but he's never going to turn down an opportunity to score a goal, right? right. Or into to step up to the penalty spot and just slot it as he as he does so well. I mean, he deserves credit for being so cool with a penalty, right? He can slot one probably better than anybody else in the CPL at the moment. Uh, so, you know, whenever whenever they come from, and it's something that, that Halifax is having a bit of a laugh about themselves, right? It, was it was it Rampersad that called him Penelli after the game? Penelli. Yeah. yeah, I was in, I was they, in they afterwards. Yeah, yeah. Dal Penelli. Yeah. They don't really care uh, where they come from. They got the win on the road away uh, in their first game of the season, and that's absolutely something that they'll take. 
know, it's yeah. not hard. It's not easy to win games away from home in a CPL. So if you're able to defend well and, and keep a clean sheet in a game like that, and you get your chance from the penalty spot, you can't really complain too much. No, nope, not at all. Uh, what about York, Benedict? Uh, obviously, you got the Nova Hoven jersey behind you that I played very well. I know you were very impressed with him again. Uh, but they didn't have Johnston on from the start. He, he was pretty unlucky, Martin Nash told me, after the game, before the game to, to not make it. But Max Broy was hurt. Absey not quite fit, but as Charlie said earlier, um, made a big difference when he came on and played a little more of an attacking role. What were your overall thoughts of York in this one, Ben? Yeah, I think Charlie said like they we're maybe missing a bit on the wings. I think especially the left side, they maybe didn't seem to have the, the cohesion that might come with, with playing a few more games together with uh, Petrasso and Jesus. But right. um, is obviously also not a left-sided player usually. He's usually on the right. But um, yeah, I think with the D.D. Nabzi, when he came on, he, he was fantastic. He was making things happen. He started on the right side as well and then and then, then moved over to the left. And um, yeah, then the chances started to pick up and, and started to get more balls into the box. And you mentioned as well, KJ, uh, a missed penalty call, I think it's, it's fair to say. Um, one of them pretty clear, I'd say, uh, rocking into the referees. But, uh, yeah, I, th- I think they, they were – well, something that Tommy Wheel Jr. said for the next game we're talking about is uh, they maybe didn't deserve to win, but they also probably didn't deserve to lose either. Right, right. Here is Martin Nash's thoughts after this one. Yeah, I, I thought we created – definitely the second half created enough chances to get something out of the game. Uh, kind of gave away a sloppy penalty, but um, yeah, I thought we had a slow start to the game. We we're second guessing ourselves. Uh, we had a chance to kind of organize it in an injury break and got much better as the leader on the half. Um, I thought the second half, we were personally thought we were the better team. I'd have to go back and look, but I uh, thought we were uh, creating chances. We were doing a lot of good things and um, just couldn't buy a goal. Both teams now head on the road. York to Edmonton on Friday. Halifax to Ottawa on Saturday. Talking of the nation's capital, we head there next as Atletico Ottawa defeat Cavalry by one goal to nil on Saturday. In the end, a penalty to 10 minutes from time by Brian Wright was enough to win this one. Um, pretty good game as well. And fantastic, by the way, to see such a wonderful crowd in Ottawa. They, of course, had this amazing, you know, amazing thing again where we talked about last week, pay what you want. And obviously the proceeds going to Ukraine. They decided to wear their yellow kits as well. Um, that yellow versus green CPL first, uh, which is pretty interesting <laughs> to watch as well um, in, in this one. Benedict, you're all over this game for us. What are your overall thoughts on this one as you wrote for campiel.ca? Yeah, I think uh, Tommy Will Jr. described the best. He called it a, a good tactical chess match. I think uh, you had Cavalry who who set up in, in this sort of back three with, with the two wingers and and they made lots, lots happen on the two sides. And Ottawa who, who focused more centrally with they tried to do the wing back thing, but uh, I guess in, in my analysis, I think uh, they, they were pretty central. Uh, Ollie Bassett in particular was fantastic in midfield. Uh, so, so has Ben McKendry as well. Um, and uh, yeah, they, they were pretty evenly matched. It was a case again of the first team to, to make a mistake. It was going to be the one to lose that game. And uh, unfortunately for Cavalry, it was, it was a penalty uh, against Jose Escalante for sort of diving and, and sticking his arm out. Um, yeah. and uh, he was he's penalized for that, and, and then Brian Wright steps up and, and and scores the winning goal as he did last year as well for their home opener in 2021. It's true, yeah. It's funny that Escalante handball. I mean, they wouldn't have any problems with that, it was a clear penalty, Charlie. But yeah. Cavalry should have got rid of the ball earlier, like they had so many chances to get rid of that ball, and then you just inviting the danger in the end, and that's what led to I think that's what Tommy Wilden Jr. be most upset about on this one, Charlie. Is you. You, know, you and Ben can take this over. But, I mean, for me, it's just that narrow mistake because, you know, just it cost them a point. Yeah, it's it's the urgency, I think, 
that they needed in that kind of moment. And again, it's just, it's maybe, maybe that, that little bit of focus that even that Tommy has mentioned in preseason, you know, that, that focus that arguably cost them the semifinal last year, just that, right. that, you know, that, that little bit of, 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 you know, drive you need to to make sure that you're taking care of business as quickly as possible. You're not messing around with the ball. You're not moving it slowly. They need to, you know, get rid of it quickly. They need to get up the pitch quicker. And this was kind of a, a theme for them. I thought that they actually played quite well. I thought it was an entertaining game, first off. Yeah. You know, shot 17 to 10. That's always a, a pretty good day of football. Uh, so maybe we're a little, a little unlucky to see a 1-0 game with only a penalty in it. But, you know, Cavalry did, again, that's something that, has been the thing for them for a while possession 17 shots 32 touches in the box that's an absurd number that's a lot but it's that little bit of clinical finishing they needed i know joe mason had a couple good looks that he wasn't able to to put in the in the net which you you'd kind of expect him to usually but it was it was and again the other thing that tommy brought up was that tactical matchup it was interesting seeing both teams play with three at the back yeah. For most of this game, yeah, uh, which isn't necessarily yeah. something you see a lot, especially in the CPL. But this is something that Cavalry have really enjoyed doing, especially last year with those ball moving center backs like like Yao and Klomp and David Norman Jr. Uh, mm-hmm. And then we saw Ottawa at the end of last year play really well with that sort of five at the back. This one was a little bit of a hybrid thing with uh, with you know the, the the center backs tucking in a little bit and Drew Becky kind of coming in from the right occasionally to to get Kevin Alleman up on the left side. But uh, it was two teams that I think are trying to to evolve a little bit. Obviously, Ottawa's a very new group at the moment, uh, so that's a bit of a work in progress. But, Ben, you mentioned Ollie Bassett. That was really impressive. I didn't really expect to see him in a role like that, especially last year at Pacific. He played a lot as a 10 or out on a wing, but he certainly got the skill, excuse me, the skill set to... <laughs> to you know be that more of a box to box presence to to maybe run the show from a little bit deeper. So I was impressed with him and I think that there is a lot to like about this Ottawa team. They still will be lo- hoping to create a little bit more from open play, but you know the the progress is certainly there for game 1. What did you think of Bassett, Ben? Obviously Charlie says he doesn't play that position often. I think his very first game last year for Pacific in, in the in the bubble he played as a 6 and he scored that screamer. Uh, but after that, he did play a lot more higher up. But you were impressed with him, and as you wrote in your analysis, yeah, I thought he was good. He's a great passer of the ball, as you know. He has great vision, and, and I think being that sort of outlet to, to sort of link with the center backs to the attackers, I think he was he was fantastic there. And another note in Ottawa, I thought was last year we might have seen Ottawa on the receiving end of some of these moments where like they they maybe lost the intensity, lost the lost the urgency, and they invited a bit more pressure than they would have liked, and then. Uh, they ended up on the wrong end of a one nil or a two one with some late goal. So especially right. a penalty for Ottawa last year as well. Um, but uh, I think I think in this game they they showed that intensity and, and they played on the front foot, which is something that Carlos Gonzalez has said he, he wants to see more of. And uh, I think they, they did a very good job of that in this first week of the season. Talking of Carlos Gonzalez, first game in charge, first three points. Here he is. I think that the intensity of the game was good in the first half. In the second half, I felt that we dropped a little bit. But still, uh, the reality is that we have been working only with the team five five weeks. So we have to keep calm. We have to be a little bit of patience because this is not about pressing a button and 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 having all what you want. We have to keep on working. And as I said, it's better to to work on the building team uh, through a win. 
I just have to describe some irony here. One second. I'm sitting here in the hotel and Forge staying here and Forge are leaving. They're actually leaving right now. And just as I'm watching Ottawa's press conference, a bus is outside my window backing up. The irony of an Atletico clean sheet and a bus backing up at the same time is not lost on me. I'm just going to tell you that. Forge's bus is literally backing up under my window to pick up their players to take them to the airport. But, you know, and I know that's not how they played. Benedict, but Atletico are known as cl the clean sheet team in Spain. And if this team can play that way and keep clean sheets, this is why a lot of people around the league this year are thinking this team could be a bit of a sleeper for a contender. Because if they can keep clean sheets and play the way that they did defensively without the ball, this could be a different team in 2022, no? Yeah, definitely. And the, the back three, they started Becky, uh, Niba, and Espejo. They all looked, they looked fantastic as well as a unit. Uh, Becky, unfortunately, is going to miss the next game after being sent off at the end there. But um, they look good, and then especially when uh, when they kind of transition to a back four sometimes as well. Uh, defensively, Max Tiso dropped back, and you know he's a, he's a decent defender as well uh, over a left back, and with Becky kind of playing a bit more on the right. And uh, yeah, this this team I think can be you said a sleeper pick for for a contender. I think they have they have the they have the players to do it. They just need to you know get that cohesion quickly because there's a very new team, a lot of new players. But if they can if they can work figure it out quickly and, and get some points out of their belt. There's no reason why they can't finish in that top four. Or in that sort of range. Big win. Anytime you can beat Cavalry, if you're a team outside the playoffs, suddenly you think, okay, what can we accomplish here? And I know it's only week one, uh, but Cavalry have got a, a three-week grind here and they come into Ontario. They come back to Forge next and then go to York. So, uh, And they've got significant injuries if you missed it. Last week, um, You know, the announcement came right before the press conference that Tom Field, their left back, looks like he's going to have to have surgery again. Could be out for a long, long term, which is not ideal. Anthony Novak's done his knee, which looks like he could be out for the year. Again, nowhere near ideal for them. Um, DKR is out for four months, which is an, an enormous blow <clears throat> for, for, for this team. Uh, and the kind of team that just, you know, even though they've got the depth, they missed Camargo. So the, Camargo got hurt quite a bit last year. They missed, obviously, Adekubi in there as well. So Tommy Wilden Jr. is keeping the, up that positive spin, but never ideal when you, when you get the announcements that came out last week. But great to see Marco Carducci on the bench uh, as he comes back from testicular cancer. Here are the thoughts of Tommy Wilden Jr. after this one in the nation's capital. I thought they did smash in. I thought Fraser Air gives us that natural width and good ball service. You know, uh, Ben Fisk is a, is a terrific pro. And, you know, when Tom Field went down in, in the unfortunate way he did, you just, we just had to put our best opportunity with players on there. Um, and, and I thought Ben Fisk was good today. He ran his socks off, put some balls in the box, got a lot of second ball and, and tried to progress us up the pit. So, uh, there's a lot of the things, you know, I'm not in doom and gloom mode there. There's a lot of good things that we can take away and build from. And we've got to get used to traveling on the road. So uh, if we can perform like that next week at Forge, uh, I think we'll get something from there. Thoughts to Tommy Wilden Jr. Bandic, last one before I let you go. Overall, on Ottawa's new player, Balu Tabla, I know he had a great chance to hit the crossbar. Um, looks like a bit of a player that's going to be pretty a special difference maker in this game. Not necessarily a... a, a you know, a dazzling debut, but a very solid professional debut. Your overall thoughts on this performance of Montreal, man? Yeah, I thought he, he was solid. Uh, as in my, in my analysis, he looked a little bit isolated at times, maybe. Maybe this formation and having him a bit deeper in the, in the pitch didn't maybe get the most out of him. I think he, he wants the ball closer to the opposition uh, as net and, and dribbling at defenders. But like you said, he, he, was, he was solid. He didn't really put a foot wrong in this game. He um, His passing was good. He had a couple of good runs. He had that shot off the crossbar. Like less than 10 minutes in and uh yeah it's a solid debut but i think there's, there's still a lot more to come and that's for carlos gonzalez to, to find that 
A reminder, you can read Benedict's match analysis at campl.ca on match number two, CPL match 252 in our history as we enter our fourth season. And Benedict, of course, is all over everything soccer on our website there. We'll be covering the women's team's games as well over the last two, two, game, two days uh, here out here west as well. You'll have that piece up this week. Benedict, thanks again, my man. I'll look forward to chatting next week when you, get, when you look back at another game in the Canadian Premier League. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it, Benedict Rhodes uh, from campiel.ca, which leads us to our final game, Charlie, that you are our correspondent on. Oh, yeah. Uh, and what a game this was hold to on, be assigned to. I got I to be prepared for yep. this one. The bicycle kick from Tobias Wojcicki. Yeah. Thanks. There it is. Perfect. <laughs> what a leave game. That on now. Let, leave that on. Um, let's roll in the goal again. Let's yep. roll it in for those of us watching live. Uh, for those of you listening and you've not seen it, go check it out on the Canadian Premier League uh, YouTube channel. Um, Best goal in Canadian Premier League history, not just this year, but ever. I'm, yes. I'm, I'm putting it out there, Charlie, with your thoughts. Am I right? Yeah, you have to be. It's not just the technical quality of the goal, which probably still would make it the best goal in CPL history. It's the significance and the moment, you know, for right. Edmonton to come in and play their home opener after just such a, a dark and, and difficult offseason. For them to have this build up and, and to be kind of frustrated, it looks like the ball, the goal is not going to fall for them for a long time. But that goal in the very final moment of the match, the last kick of the game, for him to like take the ball down like that in his chest, set it up for himself, and then just smash it with the the bicycle kick, I I could not believe it. I was in genuine stunned <laughs> silence for a long time after I watched that happen. I. <laughs> we've seen players in the CPL attempt bicycle kicks before, you know, Emery yeah. Welshman tried one in the first ever game. Uh, I think he hit the woodwork actually. Uh, Taryn Campbell sort of scored one last year, but it was like the ugliest bicycle kick I've ever seen in my life. Right. This one was right. gorgeous. This was yeah. a perfect, perfect one. And I, yeah, we're not going to see a lot of better goals than that. No. And like you said, like if this was like FC Edmonton last year, or if this was, I don't know, game 24, it would yeah. have been a great goal. But the fact that it's FC Edmonton, game one, enormous turnover, different ownership hopefully coming in shortly. Wachewski leaves the club, gets signed by another club, loan back to the team. Alan Karch is figuring out every night for four and a half months, how am I going to get enough players and assemble everything together? Mm. Losing at home in the home opener, play it, you know, Fans who brave the game still staying there. Tick, 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 tick. 95th minute at home, losing 1 0, and bang. You Perfect get that. moment. Like, yeah, you know, yeah. that's, you know, that, that was, I think Alan said afterwards something about the gods of soccer. That is exactly <laughs> what that, that, you know, just sometimes it's just meant to be. Uh, yeah. Let's get some reaction uh, from Clark Stadium hit first. Here is the man himself, uh, Tobias Wolszewski. Yeah, I, I scored one time a goal, a bicycle kick uh, in Germany, and I, I practice it sometimes in training. You know, I, I try every time to to I like to score a bicycle, but it's incredible. You know, and maybe just on on the game as a whole, it looked like it was quite a difficult one with the wind. So, just how did you guys kind of adapt and, and improve in the second half there? I think in the second half was much better. We have the win, uh, win with us, you know, but uh, I think the game was uh, difficult to to figure it out how the, the ball 
getting behind or you know also when we play against the wind was very difficult to know where the ball going and I think it was a tough first game but uh, we get rewarded we get the point and we we build on that build on it indeed uh yeah. wow just just a special moment uh just by the way also has to be said that Edmonton built enough chances here to get this Yes, you know his German partner Julian Ulbricht. I'm sure slept a lot easier last night knowing that it was one-one <laughs> because he, he he missed um, you know he missed a glory. In fact, he had two yeah. glorious headers in the game. One of them a chance, and then another one an, an open goal. Um, your thoughts overall, Charlie, on Edmonton and deserving the point that they ultimately got in a game that you know you know that looked like wasn't going their way. They absolutely did, and we'll hear from Alan Koch about this in a little bit, but this was definitely a game where the two halves were just night and day from each other uh, because that's how strong the wind was in that game. Just you could see players putting the ball down for a, a set piece or a goal kick or something, and it would roll away even on, on the corner. You saw the corner flags almost falling over on the side. Uh, it was very, very difficult for the Eddies in that first half to play into that. You know, You couldn't really play the ball in the air you every time uh, Andres Weichler took a goal kick it would come right back at him uh so it was very hard and they had to kind of defend in this very very rigid kind of five four one sort of structure and they didn't really have a choice to do much else you know they they had to invite the pressure from Valor they just had to kind of survive it and uh, Alan Koch I don't know if this was a pun or not but he said that they just had to weather it in the first half and they almost <laughs> did they did almost do it because Valor scores with the very, very last kick of that first half with Andy Baccaro's yeah. kind of curling shot through traffic from distance. Uh, so they came out into that second half. They were looking to to maybe bring a little bit more energy, get more of the ball. And they, uh, they of course, did. They still, you know, they still let, like, didn't have as much possession as Valor in that second half. But, you know, they had seven shots. They, they were getting a little bit more into those spaces. Warshevsky was the best player for them uh, for most of the game. He was running at defenders. He was kind of taking them on, sucking them in to create space for, for Ulbricht and, and Azriel Gonzalez outside him. Um, and eventually they're rewarded because they had those chances. Yeah. Julian Ulbricht is uh, definitely going to be going to be thanking his, his German <laughs> friend, Toby for, for making up for that, because that is a, a pretty frustrating missed header from him. But, yeah, Edmonton definitely deserved something from this game, and I think Valor kind of were a little bit passive in that for in that second half when they were leading, and they they probably would feel like they should have maybe pressed forward a little bit more for that second goal. They maybe didn't expect Edmonton to be able to come at them that hard, and I know I know that like Stefan Sabara said after the game that it felt like a loss because right. of the way it ended, and and I'm sure it it certainly does to have two points ripped from you in that fashion at the end. But I, I think this is a definitely a deserving point for FC Edmonton. Yeah, led by Tobias Wolszewski, you obviously obviously gave Campiel.ca player of the match. Uh, and you went on to say that he had a team high, 58 touches, 11 drib dribbles, and nine duels won. Um, not to mention the stunning goal he scored to earn the yeah. draw. Here is the reaction of his boss, Alan Koch. Hey, guys. Um, Jason's just getting set up here. So I'm just going to share some quick thoughts uh, on the game. Uh, today, it's not my first rodeo, so uh, I'm going to take complete control of this media uh, interview, seeing that's our first one of the season. Um, very, very, very happy for our supporters. Very, very happy for our group of players. Uh, very, very happy for everybody that stood by this club 
uh, and is committed to professional football in this community because uh, if I got interviewed the second off the game, I, I probably would be in a bit of a wreck, to be honest, because this has been incredibly emotional. Uh, and to see our team and our supporters get rewarded with, it's probably going to be the goal of the season right away in the first week. Uh, it's pretty, pretty gratifying. So I'm very, very happy for, for Toby, for the guys. They kept pushing, they kept going until the end. Uh, and it gives us as a collective group uh, something to, to feed off as we start to prepare ourselves for next week. Give it credit for Alan. Uh, you mentioned it from the Valor point, uh, point of view. We'll just wrap the show, uh, Charlie, with them. What you know, you mentioned Javara said it was a bit of a felt like a loss. What was the thoughts of, of Philip de Santos and overall a game that they probably thought was always going to be tricky? They talked about that. No one ever takes FC Edmonton lightly. Uh, talking to no. a lot of players across this league, they're saying they will not be easy to play this year, despite many people thinking they will be. Um, but it looked like it was done, right? It looked like job done, get in, weather the storm, like literally. Uh, get yep. 90 minutes done, get 95 minutes plus, get three points and get out of there. Um, overall, what were their thoughts of this one? Yeah, I think they'll come out of it a little disappointed, but you know, not not particularly. I think they, they do feel that they let it slip at the end there and that maybe the last half hour of the game where they sort of invited far too much pressure from Edmonton, they felt like maybe it was, it was job done a little bit in a sense because they had taken that lead and they were defending quite well until that point. But yeah. We saw in the first half kind of what they can do uh, with possession. I, I think they, we saw quite uh, a deliberate, you know, attempt to to get the fullbacks high up the pitch. You know, Federico Pena was was quite important on that side, and then Andy Becaro on the right really likes to to you know cut inside and and find those half spaces, which was kind of part of the game plan, and that's how they score the goal right at the end of the first half. Um, but it was. Certainly, uh, you know, a, a building block for Valor. William Accio, maybe not as as involved as you'd want him to be in the first half there. Uh, Moses Dyer, the same thing. You know, these are two very talented attacking mm -hmm. players in the league who probably you'd expect will be able to score a lot of goals this season, but uh, maybe not quite as involved as you would expect. So Valor was definitely a little bit you know, they probably would want to move the ball a little bit faster to try and break down that, that bit of that FC Edmonton block. Um, you probably want to keep the ball on the ground a little bit more. If the wind is like that, it's a little bit tough to be trying to shoot diagonals or anything uh, or play balls over the fullbacks. Uh, but I, again, this this is a Valor team that is going to have to work its way up to speed. Uh, they still, you know, you're still waiting for Andrew Jean-Baptiste to come back and, and to be healthy to play for this team. That will be a massive moment when he's ready. Uh, but I, I think that again, first half, they would be quite happy with the way they played. They might want to be a little bit more punishing, but second half, I think they would all agree that they were a little bit, a little bit passive when it came to defending Edmonton and they, they let them come on, even though they had more possession in the second half, they still let Edmonton come at them a little bit more than they would like. Very fair. Very fair analysis. Um, we'll end the show with the question of the day. And it comes from Vincenzo who says, hi guys, which debut has impressed you the most. Uh, so, get, Charlie, there's a little time for that. I, I think I'm going to go, well, We what about the kit? That day, that was a pretty special <laughs> debut yeah. uh, that impressed everybody uh, from Pacific. Uh, Zach Fernandez uh, impressed me. A, a great debut. Charlie, actually, you, you got the look of someone who just stole your answer. Absolutely, uh, yeah. Did I just steal your answer? <laughs> you did. Yeah. You 100% yeah. did. <laughs> yeah, but he was good, no? Like, he was. Halifax have that right-hand side, a player that looks like you know a great a great you know 
a good coup for the Canadian Premier League to bring him in, play him down that right-hand side, and could be a big difference maker. And Stephen Hart has talked about yeah. needing to feed the strikers and giving them more. A lot of talk about strikers not finishing their chances, getting those moments and that you know that, that quality down that right-hand side. We were both there live on Thursday. Um, you know, I'll throw it to you, but I, I thought he was probably the most impressive one so far the weekend. Yeah, he was. Uh, that was a hundred percent going to be my answer because he was really good with yeah. pace. I thought his his fullback partner Obang Tabby was actually he had some good moments as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know that uh, Stephen Hart really likes him, and he's he's talked about his ability to run at defenders. Uh, I think it's all going to be fullbacks here. To be honest, I I was kind of impressed by uh, by Marcus Simmons in Edmonton. Yeah, playing on the left of that of that back five, that was quite a, a good debut. I think it was his professional debut as well. Uh, so that's that's a good one, and obviously Nathan Mavilla for yes. Pacific. Uh, not really a CPL debut, but you know, again, a club debut, and obviously Amir did it as well. But in terms of players coming back to the league after coming into the league for the first time, here, this, yeah, for, yeah, yeah, coming back into twenty twenty three, right? Yeah, uh, that was that was an impressive one for him to fit into that club's identity so quickly. So yeah, lots. Obviously, there's lots of new players in the league this year at almost every club. So we're going to see. A lot of debuts and we're going to continue to be impressed by them shortly but i think it was the fullbacks that kind of won this weekend for me yeah and as benedict alluded to colongo with a huge save on bustos as well and yes. that's a forge uh, so every credit for him coming in as well uh but thank you for your question vincenzo keep them coming in um a reminder next week's games edmonton take on york on friday fc edmonton versus york united on friday from clark stadium uh, Atletico ottawa take on halifax wanderers on saturday uh, Forge uh, versus Cavalry on Saturday in the come on match of the week. All of these games live on One Soccer, by the way. And Pacific take on Valor on Sunday. So they are your four games on the tap for next week in week two of the Canadian Premier League. If you've joined us live here today, thanks so much for being involved in this. Thanks for all your comments and questions. Uh, and you got a treat because you got to see some images here, including what is on Charlie's head right now. Uh, but if you didn't join us live, you can come back and watch the YouTube channel and watch exactly what Charlie is wearing on his head. Or, of course, thank you for all of our loyal listeners on the podcast that download every week and listen to our recap. We will be back again with you next Monday. Uh, yeah, Charlie, enjoy Easter. Games are coming thick and fast, everybody. Thanks for this, Charlie. Enjoy the games. Thank you.